engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Welcome, it is 9 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let me just dispense with the Hannity news before we get into anything else. So, uh, as Chris Chandler was talking about, Sean Hannity has come out as client number three. Now, you know, Elliot Spitzer was client number nine, and that one kind of had a little more ring to it than client number three. But we don't know. Listen, I was a lawyer. I'm not a lawyer anymore. This isn't legal advice. This is just just noting that if Hannity asked Cohen for his confidential opinion on something, uh, he would be uh, there would be an attorney-client privilege there. Uh, it wasn't attorney-client privilege that Hannity's name was mentioned. That has nothing to do with privilege. Privilege is about the business that you discuss between you and your attorney about a legal matter. That's privilege. Confidentiality, client confidentiality, is attorneys generally don't have to reveal who their client is. It's different. It's not treated as sacrosanct by courts as attorney-client privilege. If a court, if you admit in court, which is what happened, that you have a client, he is not related to this matter, and his dealings are not related to attorney-client matters, then the court can say, okay, well, then tell us who it is. So so we know, and that's what happened here. Hannity says they, they didn't have any dealings or anything. Look, I, I see what the left is doing here. The left is saying, well, Cohen paid off a woman, a porn star for Donald Trump, and then he paid off a playmate, playboy playmate, uh, who had an affair with the RNC, and now there's Hannity. <gasps> Implication? We don't know. They're putting evidence in that's not in evidence. They're, they're speculating about it. Hannity and Cohen have known each other for a while. I know because Hannity let Cohen come on and beat the snot out of me after the resurgence of the Red State event back in 2015. So they've had a long-time relationship. So who knows what it was, but it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. So who cares? Move on. You know why the Hannity News reporters have rushed to the Hannity News? It's not just that they're nursing a grudge against Fox News. It is not just that they don't like Hannity and this is payback. Kind of like with the how they've gone after uh, Facebook. Hannity has been beating the snot out of the media for the last year and a half, uh, protecting the president. And the media suddenly is like, oh, we can score some points against Hannity. Let's focus on this news all day. Kind of like with Facebook, they change their algorithm. Suddenly they're the bad guy to the media because the media is not getting as much traffic. Same thing happening with Sean. He can take care of himself. But there's another reason there's been a quick pivot to Sean Hannity this afternoon. And the reason is pretty straightforward and simple. And it is that Sean Hannity is a distraction from the news that there's no there there with James Comey. And there's not. There is no there there with James Comey, as a matter of fact. Um, The Comey stuff is basically old news. He didn't break any new news except for one thing. So let me play this Comey audio for you. There are two bits of Comey audio that I want to play for you. Uh, and I want to comment on them because it explains the great pivot towards Sean Hannity this afternoon. Uh, here's here's audio clip one. Uh, I got it wired wrong, don't I? I sometimes do this when I'm rushing into the last minute as I was today. Let's try it again with the James Comey audio. Almost a year has passed since James Comey was fired by President Trump. Since then, he's come to some stark conclusions about the use of power and moral leadership. You write that President Trump is unethical, untethered to the truth, 
Is Donald Trump unfit to be president? Yes, but not in the way I often hear people talk about it. I don't buy the stuff about him being mentally incompetent or early stages of dementia. He strikes me as a person of above average intelligence who's tracking conversations and knows what's going on. I don't think he's medically unfit to be president. I think he's morally unfit to be president. Person who sees moral equivalence in Charlottesville, who talks about and treats women like they're pieces of meat, who lies constantly about matters big and small and insists the American people believe it, that person's not fit to be president of the United States on moral grounds. Our president must embody respect and adhere to the values that are at the core of this country, the most important being truth. This president is not able to do that. He is morally unfit to be president. Okay. So here's comment number one on why this isn't news. Because this was all adjudicated in 2016. I mean, James Comey is saying stuff that everyone agreed in 2016, and Trump still won. I mean, the morally unfit that was said in 2016, the comparisons to white nationalists, hello, Hillary Clinton and the deplorables, treats women like pieces of meat, hello, access Hollywood tape. Liar, hello, facts not in evidence all the time, believes Ted Cruz's dad was behind the Kennedy assassination. I mean, on and on and on it went. Uh, James Comey has a very mainstream view of Donald Trump, mainstream within the Washington, New York corridor. They all hate him. They all think the exact same things James Comey just said. This isn't new. James Comey just thinks what all the rest of them think. And then there's this. George Stephanopoulos asked him this question. If you're right, what is the remedy? Should Donald Trump be impeached? Impeachment is a, is a question of law and fact and politics. You're a citizen. You have a judgment. Yeah, I'll tell you, I'll give you a strange answer. I hope not. Because I think impeaching and removing Donald Trump from office would let the American people off the hook and have something happen indirectly that I believe they're duty-bound to do directly. People in this country need to stand up and go to the voting booth and vote their values. And so impeachment, in a way, would short-circuit that. What? Let's talk about James Comey, or Sean Hannity, rather. I mean, total, total pivot to Hannity from this. Sorry, the music at the end there threw me off. I have no idea why that was there. In any event, so James Comey doesn't want to impeach the president. So wait, 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 wait. Let, let's, let's back up here. So you've got... James Comey believes the president is morally unfit for office, that he equates white nationalism with other things, that, that he draws moral equivalence to bad things, that he treats women like pieces of meat, that he's a liar, that he is a stain on the office and on all those around him. That's another Comey tweet. tweet. He believes all of those things, or Comey thought, I guess I should say. He believes all of those things, but he doesn't want to impeach the president. So let's talk about Sean Hannity instead. Did you know Sean Hannity was client number three for Michael Cohen? Oh my goodness, what does this mean about Sean Hannity? I mean, that's that's the entire last 24 hours of the media, folks, is that this massive pivot away from James Comey because James Comey doesn't want to do the thing that all the people on the left other than him want to do, which is to impeach the president of the United States. He actually says the voters must decide. The voters must do it. They're the ones who did it, so now they must undo it. <gasps> Are you blaming the voters? That's pretty much what it sounds like to me. He's blaming the voters. James Comey blaming the voters. Saying they don't need to impeach. Y'all, if, if Comey is saying this, 
I mean, what's the point of sticking with him? See, everyone in the media had this pipe dream that Comey was going to come out and tell all the things that no one knew, all the little secrets that he was leaking to his friend who then claimed to be his attorney for attorney-client privilege matters. <clears throat> nope, didn't do that. I mean, all the things the media has been packaging as new, all the things the media has been saying are different, are things we've never heard before. They're all things we've heard before. All of, all of James Comey's statements thus far, including the John Kelly calling him saying it was dishonorable to be fired, we heard that at the time. There's nothing new in this book. What there is in the book is the portrait of a man who thinks he's the only one who comes out smelling like roses. Everyone else was deeply flawed. Maybe not Barack Obama, but everyone else deeply flawed. Everyone else had problems. Everyone else, they were caricatures of themselves in James Comey's mind. He struggled under the weight of being pure. And then he told us nothing new. And then he told the left exactly what they wanted to hear, that he thinks Donald Trump is scum. But then he said, don't impeach him, that there's nothing to be impeached. He's not out of his mind. He's not crazy. He's not someone who needs the 25th Amendment, the cabinet, to step in and remove him, the left-wing fan fiction. He dismisses that out of hand. He's seen him up close. He says it wouldn't be appropriate. He says the man's not crazy. He just thinks he's a bad man. He thinks he's scum. He thinks he behaves like a mob boss, like everyone else was saying in 2016, and he got elected anyway. So surely we need to impeach the man. No, says James Comey. No, we don't. So it's time to move on to other news. In the mind of the left, and actually, yeah, because there's nothing new there. James Comey is yesterday's news. Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure Sure you wanted to know that, um, but it actually works and I don't break out. Uh, so I highly do recommend Dollar Shave Club. I have been a Dollar Shave Club member for, well, gosh, I was a lawyer. It's been a long time since... I've used, how long have they been around? I don't know. Anyway, they've been around forever. Um, solid, solid company. Great people. Great idea, too. They were the first. You got all these other competitors out there, and they were the first to come out and say, you know what? We can beat the other guys. So a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric. It is 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. 
Okay, y'all. <laughs> I I I I gotta I've gotta pivot for just a minute because my wife was at her computer this morning and was looking at the Weather Channel and they had a report up that the the Gulf Stream is weakening. It's the weakest it's been in sixteen hundred years, and clearly it's man-made global warming that has caused this. And if you actually click on the Weather Channel article and and you read it. Or it it shows the video of the broad. I think it was on the Weather Channel, of the reporter talking about this. That it's the weakest it's been in 1600 years, according to a report in the journal Nature. Uh, scientists say it's because of man-made global warming, and then at the very end says that that some scientists disagree. All righty. <laughs> Charlie says he thought I was talking about Gulfstream planes. I mean, I, I I would like to, but they would get mad at me like Bortz and his plane. I would much prefer to be talking about a Gulfstream plane because I really want a Gulfstream plane. I just want a NetJet subscription, folks. I'm tired of getting yelled at in the airport by people recognized all over the place in the airport. It, it happens around here, but not just here. Now Charlie's seen it firsthand, too. But nonetheless, I digress. really want a Gulfstream. Um, so you actually read the article. You click through and you read the article, not what they actually showed on TV. This is a perfect example of indoctrination. And what the article actually says is that in the journal Nature, there was a report that the Gulf Stream, based on extrapolations from computer models, is the weakest it's been in 1,600 years. Extrapolations from computer models. And... In the same issue of the journal Nature, there's another report on the Gulf Stream that the the slowness over the last 150 years has nothing to do with man-made global warming. So in the last 150 years, that is, the period of time where we had the Industrial Revolution, has nothing to do with man-made global warming. But the last 1,600 years, where there had been no industrial revolution, that somehow that is because of man-made global warming. By the way, there's an MIT scientist on record saying they actually don't have any data to support this. But the Weather Channel never put that in its report on TV. Nope, didn't do that. This is propaganda, folks. Is it any wonder so many people don't believe in this nonsense from folks like the Weather Channel? After the hour, Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Gary. You're up first tonight, Gary. Welcome. Hello. Hi there. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I appreciate your show. I like to listen every day. Um, so I was listening to your comment about the uh, uh, Gulf Stream being shorter. You said, did you say 1,600 years? It's been since it's been that low. That's what this uh, scientific article in the journal Nature says. That so, it, so it's been it's that low down. or lower before. Uh, well, allegedly, Without, yeah. Oh, okay. So that 
that just blows their little science out of water, I think. Yeah, I, listen, I, I'm with you. So, so first of all, we couldn't get any scientists from uh, 1,600 years ago on record. Uh, n- number two, we don't have any actual records of the speed of the Gulf Stream from 1,600 years ago. And three, uh, according to scientists at MIT and elsewhere, there actually isn't enough data to support the claims. But the Weather Channel is going to run it as a news story anyway, uh, which is just the craziest thing. All of this is, it's all about indoctrination. Every bit of it is indoctrination, which is just the, I mean, it's, it's just, it's frustrating to see people who are skeptical get treated as if they're Holocaust deniers by the academic left and elsewhere, and yet everything they have is just based on supposition. And computer models, you can't replicate it. I mean, I, I grew up learning that science science was something that you could replicate. You could have a hypothesis, you could test it, and eventually others could replicate it. But you got to have computer models, in many cases, with proprietary algorithms to actually do this. But hey, they're getting lots of federal money and international money to, to produce these things. Now, we got to get into what happened in Syria. We were expecting a, a bigger incursion than what we got. Uh, we were all on standby here at WSB to be able to cover this situation, and it, it really didn't have to. We did one strategic bombing initiative. Now, reports are that uh, John Bolton, the new national security advisor, wanted a much more extensive wave of bombings in Syria. And General Mattis of the Pentagon convinced the president uh, that we should have a more limited targeted attack. And you got to give the president some credit here. And I know I'm watching people on the left. They're just loath to give the president any credit today for this. But I think the president deserves some credit for this. He tweeted last week that smart missiles would be coming sooner. Some, I, I can't remember the exact words, but you, you know the tweet I'm talking about. And shortly after the president tweeted that these missiles would be coming, he ordered into the Mediterranean two U.S. naval vessels, the USS Winston Churchill and another one. And it turns out that the Russians started paying attention to those ships, both of which are equipped with Tomahawk missiles and several other missiles. And they instead launched the attack from a completely different ship. Complete misdirection. The Russians were completely misdirected based on the president's tweets, followed by the U.S. Navy sending these ships into the Mediterranean. And I see a bunch of liberals saying, oh, well, we, um, we, um, don't, what, no, wow. I mean, they, they they don't want to give the president any credit. They don't want to say, oh, well, the, the, they totally played the Russians with these. They, they don't want to do any of that. What they want to do is try to not connect the president to the attacks. Or I'm seeing some Republicans say, oh, well, we would support these attacks, except it's Donald Trump who did it, and we don't want Donald I mean, the man can't win for trying. I'm not a huge fan of his, but I'm willing to give him credit. He did what he needed to do. He did targeted strategic attacks in Syria to take out their chemical weapons capacity and apparently was more successful than Barack Obama, who you will recall said that the Syrian air defense system has made it impossible to launch attacks in Syria. Donald Trump did what Barack Obama couldn't or wouldn't. 
and he should be praised for that. Getting a breaking news alert um, that a portion of a Georgia military base is being evacuated. Um, it, according to local media, um, McGinnis Wickham Hall, a delivery there has prompted res a response. This is at Fort Benning uh, in Columbus. No injuries have been reported. There have been emergency personnel evacuating a building. Um, this, it's. I'm just getting this alert from breaking 911. Uh, we'll keep you posted here if there's anything. Uh, stick with WSB as these. Well, you know, sometimes these things, they, they turn out to be much of nothing, and sometimes they turn out to be something. Uh, we have no idea what this one is, but it is a breaking news alert relevant to Georgia, so we will um, we'll, we'll figure out what's going on and let you know. I'm also getting another alert that the judge has just rejected a request by the president and his lawyer to review files seized in the FBI raids. Um, this is uh, the judge. If the name sounds familiar... And it did for me, Kimba Wood. Now, I saw somebody online say, well, this sounds like another uh, adult star with a name like Kimba Wood. She used to be a Playboy playmate. Back in the 60s, Kimba Wood was. She was making her way through college uh, in London and got a job at the, the Playboy Club in London as a Playboy bunny. She was never actually an adult film star, uh, but she, she did work for Playboy. And then she went to law school, became a very successful lawyer. Ronald Reagan appointed her to the bench. And then the real reason some of you may remember the name Kimba Wood is, now I was in like uh, 11th grade when it happened, but Bill Clinton offered Kimba Wood the job of attorney general. He had lost the person he wanted because that person had hired an illegal alien to be a nanny and hadn't paid taxes or anything. Kimball Wood, it turns out, also had hired an illegal alien, but she had paid Social Security taxes and everything else. The president wasn't willing to fight for her because Democrats were concerned about the issue at the time. Yes, Democrats in 1993 concerned about a possible attorney general paying taxes on an illegal alien. Uh, so he went with Janet Reno instead. And she has remained in the federal court system ever since. And she is now she's now retired, essentially, serving as a senior judge in New York, overseeing this case with Michael Cohen. She's ruled this afternoon that the president's legal team cannot get advanced knowledge of the documents seized in the raid last week. She also forced uh, Michael Cohen's attorney to disclose that Sean Hannity is his third client. He actually had more lawyers in court defending him today, Michael Cohen does, uh, then he actually has clients who pay him. And Hannity, of course, doesn't pay him. It's 55 after the hour. Welcome back. Let's go to the phones all the way to New York City. Matt, welcome. Hi, Mr. Erickson. Uh, I was calling about your article last week you spoke to an anonymous congressman and in a safe way i just wanted to, to know from you it seemed like in the article you were saying that he was anonymous and that that was a problem and there was no accountability what about your own lack of accountability in publishing it how, how did you decide to put it on the internet oh that's a good question um so 
my view was this is kind of the way Washington has worked for a while and it has escalated at this day and age. Uh, when you have the mobs on both sides willing to destroy individuals uh, because you don't like things. They say this is a congressman who, given where he lives, uh, his district was won by the president. Um, that if he were to come forward with what he now thinks about the president of the United States, uh, his voters would probably drive him away. Uh, and I think it was worth showing that there are members of Congress on the Republican side who do go on TV, as this congressman has, uh, and praise the president. And behind the scenes, they're actually seething about it. Now, what's the difference between me doing it and him doing it? Well, I'm not telling you something in public that I wouldn't say in private, and he is. And he and I, we're not actually friends. We have a good working relationship, although he's actually livid that the piece blew up as much as it did. Um, you know, when you tell someone that you get to quote me, just don't quote my name, and I'm going to tell you how things really are, and, and you do, and it blows up, uh, you shouldn't be surprised when something like that explodes. Uh, but he was. Um, but he's on TV saying one thing and behind the scenes saying something different. I, I'm not doing that. I'm telling you what they're saying behind the scenes, and I think it's worth protecting the anonymity of sources to be able to show you just how hypocritical Washington, D.C. can be, like the generic ballot numbers, which we'll get to when we come back. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB, streaming live as well on Twitter and YouTube. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Before I get any other news, uh, a, a real friend of the show um, who I have I've noted her and her husband's business on here, um, Blinda Singh has passed away. Uh, I have mentioned Armed Citizens of Georgia before. Uh, they are a couple, Mark and Blinda, trained Christy and me when we were having people show up at our house uh, to threaten us, among other things. They kind of took us under their wing and really, really taught us how to own guns, buy guns, use guns, clean guns, fire guns, you name it. Um, it just really, it was, it was worth their weight in gold, just delightful people, and I am... Sad to say, Blinda has uh, passed away. Uh, so prayers for Mark Swinson, uh, and uh, it's just a, a an invaluable service. And I hope Mark will be able to to pick it up and keep it going. Um, there is a lot of buzz out there today about the generic ballot numbers. The Democrats have gone from a 13-point swing to a 6-point swing. And I say this because I know inevitably we're going to get hysterical phone calls from people um, suggesting I'm, I downplay numbers one reason or another, political motivations, what have you. If you're a longtime listener of this program, you will have heard me say in the last number of years I've done this since 2011, pay no attention to generic ballot numbers before Labor Day. And I maintained that position in 2010 and 2014 when Republicans were trending. And I maintain that position now uh, as Democrats are trending. Pay no attention to generic ballot numbers before Labor Day. 
And the reason is they're volatile. And in this day and age where more and more polling can be inaccurate unless the landline polling and the wireless caller polling tends to be the most accurate. Uh, but it, you've got a lot of auto polls and robo polls and other things in there as well. And it really skews the numbers. And the media runs these stories largely because the media needs a new story. And the new story today is that uh, it's not that Republicans are surging, but the Democratic ballot, uh, generic ballot number is declining. They're still ahead by six points, which is fairly well break even for Democrats. If Democrats are six points ahead or more, Democrats tend to win. And that's the way it always has been. Republicans, you will remember in 2000, in 2000, uh, <coughs> excuse me, 94, in 2000, in 2010, in 2014, they needed to be ahead significantly. Excuse me why I have to take a sip of water on I mean, Man, the allergies and the pollen count are killing me out there. So anyway, um, don't make a big deal about the generic ballot with the Democratic numbers on decline because right now we're so far out, just as we were in 2010 and 2014 at this time of year when I was telling you not to make a big deal out of the Republican numbers, History is your guide, and the history is that the party that is out of power tends to do well in off-year elections, and this is an off-year election. What we are seeing, though, are a bunch of special elections, and special elections, you will also hear me say repeatedly, you can't extrapolate anything from a single special election or even a, a, a way-off your election, like the the Virginia elections in uh, last year, in 2017, in a completely different year than a general election nationally, you can't extrapolate anything from any one election, but you can put them all together and determine trend lines, and the trend lines are still for an election year that is not favorable to Republicans. Look at this special election out in Arizona. It is a Republican seat, and the Republican and the Democrat are tied. Uh, this is in... Um, What's his name seat? Uh, is it Trent Frank's seat? Um, is, is it Frank's? Yeah, I think so. Um, there are lots of people who are trying to look at the generic ballot number today and tell you it's not going to be bad. In fact, Republicans could hold on to the House. They could. For all of you who are saying, well, the polls were wrong in 2016, so why should we believe them now? The polls were actually right in 2016. Hillary Clinton did win the popular vote, but she did not win the Electoral College, and people were looking at national popular vote. They weren't looking at Electoral College systems. Well, this year, there will be no Electoral College at play, and the trend lines are still for the Democrats, but it makes sense because it's an off-year election and the Republicans control the White House, so that tends to be favorable for the Democrats. The big issue is going to be how big is the wave, and there is some data out there that suggests Democrats are starting to get nervous about the size of the wave. I want to talk to you about that. There is growing data out there that the Democrats are concerned about, for example, the Women's March. There's a story out there today that the Democrats are, are concerned the Women's March folks have gone too far left. They're getting extremist, and Democrats are nervous. At the same time, you know, I've got to say, I think that the best asset that Donald Trump has for his reelection in 2020 is the Democratic left. And the reason I say that is because the further they go descend into histrionics and hysterics, the better he does in polling. I've told you all along, for example, in the last several weeks, pay no attention to the Rasmussen number that has President Trump at 50%. Uh, Rasmussen is really good about detecting trend lines in its polling, but it's really not very good at detecting the actual level of support or disapproval. 
So 50% is probably high. The polling average suggests it's lower. But Rasmussen has detected this trend towards the president that now the ABC Washington Post, for example, is, is detecting this trend line support for the president. And it always inevitably comes when the Republicans haven't done a lot but the other side has done a great deal to remind people just how out of touch they are. I mean, for example, the gun control debate, the gun grabbers. You got John Paul Stevens writing op-eds that they want to grab your guns. You got the, the, the kid in Florida trying to organize a boycott to shut Laura Ingram down. You've got all this other nonsense out there from the left. It spooks people who aren't necessarily supporters of the president. And they say, you know, okay, I think the guy's a little bit nuts, but he's not going to curtail my freedom. And by and large, when you look around in this country, despite all the hysteria from the left, the truth is none of your rights have been curtailed. Not a single one of you have had a rollback of freedom. Your gay marriage is still the law of the land. Surprise. Your abortion, you can still have it. Surprise. You immigrant, you can still stay here. Surprise. Illegal alien, well, it may be a little harder, but the odds are once you get here, you get to stay too. Surprise. The wall, it's not built. I mean, all of these things that were, oh, and by the way, if you're from Chad, you can still come into the country. They walked that part of the the, the um, president's plan to stop people from certain countries coming here. Now, if you're from Chad, you can come here. Congratulations, Chad's everywhere. You're legal again. Y'all, all the hysteria from the left hasn't panned out. But yet the left is going on record saying they want to take your guns. The left is on record saying they want to shut down the Christian butcher, baker, and candlestick maker. The left is on record saying that they want expansive abortion policies. They want the government to subsidize abortion until the baby comes home from the hospital. And we're seeing that this radicalism is really filling the void in the Democratic Party. Joe Biden is thinking he wants to run for president in 2020. Joe Biden could give Donald Trump a run for his money. Joe Biden has an affinity for black voters. They have an affinity for him because he was Barack Obama's vice president. He would neutralize and Donald Trump would neutralize his foot and mouth moments. Um, he, he's a guy who connects with blue collar workers, whether you think he does or not. All the data shows he does. He could give Donald Trump a run for his money. And there's no way the Democrats are going to nominate an old white man in 2020. They're going to nominate as a candidate a transgendered feminist Wiccan with two husbands who are identified as wives who wants to teach kids in kindergarten really inappropriate things to do with their backsides while rolling joints with pages of the Bible. That fills all of the Democratic check-the-box demographics for who they need as their presidential candidate, and it's going to scare the mess out of every American out there who's not a card-carrying member of the Democratic Party already. And so those people are going to gravitate again to Donald Trump, and he's going to get reelected president of the United States because the Democrats cannot help but scratch their radical itch. Because underneath every prominent Democrat, it seems these days, is actually a communist in disguise, and Americans don't like communists. 
Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure you wanted to know that um but it actually works and i don't break out uh so i highly do recommend dollar shave club i have been a dollar shave club member for well gosh i was a lawyer it's been a long time since i've you how long have they been around? i don't know anyway they've been around forever um solid solid company great people great idea too they were the first you got all these other competitors out there and they were the first to come out and say you know what we can beat the other guys so a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric. Y'all, so, you know, a couple of years ago now, um, Arlie Ermey hung out with my buddy Adam Baldwin in studio with me. I did the show, and then they wanted me to go to an event with them. They were in town four with Glock, and so hung out uh, in the studio. And he was, I mean, just a delightful, nice, nice guy, uh, really a good guy. Uh, it was it was an honor to to meet him, and sad to hear he passed away over the weekend. And now there's this news that's just come out in the last thirty minutes that Harry Anderson uh, has passed away, and that just makes me sad. You know, you you probably you're like, who is this Harry Stone, the judge from Night Court? If you were, when I was in high school, I loved that show. My parents have, I don't know that my parents cared for me to watch it, but I would always stay over at my friend Ryan Ivey's house and his mom loved Night Court and we would stay up and watch Night Court. And I just, I love that TV show and it is sad to see him. Man, I'm like hitting that age where, where all the people I grew up and, and, and thought were so cool. They're, they're at the age where they're all dying now. It's just sad, pathetic. I'm getting old. This is no fun. I'm like not even 45 yet. I'm 42. Goodness gracious. And, you know, then there's this story from today. Did y'all hear about the lawyer who set himself on fire, killed himself to protest global warming? God knows what his carbon footprint was as he was self-immolating. But he decided he was a gay rights activist lawyer who also supported environmental causes and decided he needed to die to raise awareness about global warming. So he lit himself on fire in a park in New York City. 
And the media is talking about this as if this was some sort of big act of protest. Y'all, this person clearly had a mental illness, clearly was mentally unstable, and no one should be celebrating what this guy did. No one should be treating this as normal. And yet so many people are trying to treat it as some sort of glorious act that he did. No, this is someone who clearly needed help and no one got him help. And that's where we're headed in this country where so many people want to treat mental illnesses as some sort of normal thing when it's not. And so people aren't getting help. Uh, things like this should not be celebrated. have been plagued by computer gremlins this entire day and they show no signs of leaving my goodness um welcome back it is 38 after the hour assuming the clock is right <laughs> the phone number is 404-872-0750-1800 wsb talk uh, jonathan chait of the um the new york magazine he wrote a piece earlier today Wondering why it was that the so-called never-Trumpers wouldn't join the Democratic Party. And according to him, he thinks he's come to the conclusion that the never-Trump people are really never-Democrat. Now, you should know, by the way, I should preface this entire monologue here with a statement that Jonathan Chait wrote I think twice, at least once, maybe more than twice, that Democrats should get on board the Trump train in 2016. According to Chait, uh, Donald Trump was actually a liberal who was just using dumb Republicans to get the nomination, and they should jump on board. Now, he leaves that out these days as he's hand-wringing about the totalitarianism of Donald Trump, that he thinks Donald Trump is a totalitarian, authoritarian bigot. Uh, he leaves all that out that he supported him. In 2016. And he's come to the conclusion that there are some Republicans, uh, David Brooks of the New York Times, myself and others, who just simply were, were never Democrat. Well, yeah, I am never Democrat. I was not a Trump fan and did not vote for him, but I could see myself sooner voting for him in 2020 than someone like Elizabeth Warren. I mean, look, for example, at the Women's March folks in Washington, D.C., they wanted to do a protest of Donald Trump. They refused to allow pro-life women to join the march for ideological reasons. Never mind that these were pro-life women who didn't support the president. They weren't allowed to join the march because they didn't support killing kids. I mean, time and time again, we see this on the Democratic side, which is vastly more intolerant than the right. Y'all, you are more likely to find a pro-gay marriage, pro-abortion Republican in public life than you are to find a pro-life, pro-traditional marriage Democrat because the Democrats are the totalitarians out there. They're the ones chasing people off of college campuses for daring to say things Democrats don't like and then turning a blind eye to it. Again and again and again and again, we see Democrats absolutely unwilling to accept anyone who does not completely fold on their principles and accept what the Democrats want. So, of course, I'm never Democrat. You can't be pro-life these days and, and be a strong Democrat. You can't be for the free market and be a Democrat. 
you can't be for smaller government these days and be part of any party, it seems. I feel like I'm a man without a party these days. I, I really do believe that the smaller the government, the better we will be. The smaller the government, the, the less likely we will be to head towards fiscal bankruptcy, which I think both parties are sitting us on. Democrats can be outraged at the Republicans cutting taxes in their big spending bill, but the fact of the matter is Democrats would have jacked up taxes, caused the bankruptcy of the American people, and still caused the bankruptcy of the nation-state through their profligate spending. I am a man without a party, and, and I know that increasingly many of you are as well. And I would gladly vote for Donald Trump over a wackadoo nut job like Elizabeth Warren or Kamala Harris or even Cory Booker. See, here's the thing. Cory Booker last week while we were in D.C., Cory Booker took to task Mike Pompeo, the CIA director who may be, who will be the secretary of state, over Mike Pompeo's religious beliefs on homosexuality, wanting to know if Mike Pompeo thought it was a perversion. The Constitution of the United States of America prohibits religious tests for people to hold office in this country, yet the left cheered on Cory Booker. So they believe that Donald Trump is an affront to the Constitution and undermining the Constitution, which has a specific religious test, and they were cheering on Cory Booker doing it. It's not that the left hates totalitarians and authoritarians. It's that they hate Donald Trump. They would be perfectly fine having an authoritarian, totalitarian uh, dictator in the White House as long as it was a Democrat. And I really get the impression, as much as there were many Republicans, myself included, who said, you know what, I can't vote for Donald Trump. He's an affront to my morality, and, and I, I don't really think he's a conservative. I just can't do it. I don't think we'll ever find a Democrat who would say the same thing about a Democrat. In fact, I suspect many of them would deny that there would ever be a possibility of having a Democrat version of Donald Trump, and it's a very real possibility. The fact that they would never admit it, though, is a pretty big indictment on the Democrats, not on people who wouldn't vote Democrat. Completely unrelated to all of that, the pig farmer sent me an email, and it said, uh, we have coverage of the G-Day game beginning at 3.35 p.m. on Saturday on the home of the dogs, News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. I don't know. I'm assuming the G stands for Georgia. I hope it stands for Georgia. But the game, we will start having coverage at 3.35 p.m. on Saturday. I have no idea what the G-Day game is, but apparently it's the spring inter-squad scrimmage that gets all sorts of national attention. Oh, it is a football game. We're out of the basketball season, aren't we? I Maybe it was baseball. I don't know. But apparently it's a football game, and it's going to be on WSB, the G-Day game. Boy, you could say that wrong and stumble over it. In any event, if you want Georgia football, it's back on Saturday for one day only until the fall when it will be back full-time for several weeks, but not enough. I could have football season, college football, all year round. I don't need all the rest of it. Just give me college football where you don't make a million dollars for losing a game. I'd just much rather watch college football in any event. I think, my friends... I'm actually going to be able to do a cooking segment on my new show where I actually cook. We'll see. We're talking about it. It looks like it's going to happen. You know you want to subscribe. It's going to be subscription-based through CRTV, uh, this new show, and I highly encourage you to text the word FAMILY to 345-345 so I can get you more information on how you'll be able to sign up and get a discount when you sign up for my new TV show. So text FAMILY to 345-345, and we come back, 
I'll find other news to talk about because there's actually other stuff happening about Syria right now as I'm talking, and I don't have time to get into it because we have a commercial break, but it involves inspectors, Russians, and not being able to inspect. It is 54 after the hour. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. There is news coming out of Syria from the inspectors who went over to check for chemical weapons. Uh, We're all being told now that the Russians and Syrians have blocked them from going into the area to check. Um, There has been a lot of Russian propaganda to claim the Russians and Syrians were not behind the chemical weapons, or at least the Syrians weren't behind it. Uh, Russian propaganda has been uh, playing off of something that General Mattis said. They've taken him out of context. And unfortunately, I've seen some TV hosts as well uh, play a little more clever with the things that James Mattis was saying. Um, He was very blunt today that there was no question in his mind that the Syrians were behind the chemical weapons attack and that his prior comments um, were being taken out of context or being selectively edited to make it suggest he had doubts. He hasn't had any doubts all along that the Syrians were behind it. Um, So now we've got the chemical weapons inspectors went into the area and they've been blocked. Now, I see people saying... That, well, of course they're going to be blocked now because we bombed the Syrians. These are international inspectors from the United Nations. They have nothing to do directly with France, uh, Great Britain, and the United States. And they wouldn't let them in. They claimed there were paperwork problems. Then there were all sorts of other problems. And there were security issues. Uh, This situation isn't going anywhere. Uh, But what is striking to me is that the president has decided uh, to do no more. Uh, He went with General Mattis, who convinced the president that there was no point in a serious, escalated, ongoing military engagement in Syria, that we needed a one-time significant strike on uh, Syrian operations. I am concerned there is some suggestion out there today that maybe the Syrians had enough foreknowledge of our attack that they were able to move things out of their current locations to other places before the current locations were bombed. But uh, U.S. intelligence estimates seem to suggest that we had a very effective attack on the Syrian regime. And that, my friends, is a good thing. Um, You should know that some senators, bipartisan, have come out today, Mike Lee, Rand Paul, and others, I forget the Democrats, but there were a couple of them, suggesting that um, the president really doesn't have the authority to do an attack like this. He needed congressional authorization, and that the current authorization that the president used, the one to go after al-Qaeda and whatnot, really isn't proper, but I don't really think we're going to see any progress on that front. Um, my goodness, in any event, I'm sure by tomorrow we'll know more about the Hannity situation. He'll be on at three o'clock tomorrow. Uh, his last hour's coming up here, uh, in, in a little bit. And well, I don't know that there's going to be a there there. We'll see. (laughs) 